and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler, and I gotta admit, I'd never heard of Shelley Holroyd until a couple of weeks ago. Shelley, while while she talks with me about being out in with her colleagues and her family, uh, she never really uh, felt the need to come out, quote, publicly to have a big announcement because she was just out for most or all of her career. She was just out. She competed in the 1996 Summer Olympics in the Javelin. She is part of Team Great Britain. And I stumbled across her name a couple of weeks ago when I saw some news about the Athletics Pride Network, which is a new LGBTQ network for British uh, track and field. And I appreciated John Holmes from Sky Sport connecting me with Shelly. We talked this week about the Athletics Pride Network. We talk about her career and we talk about coronavirus. She contracted uh, COVID-19 and... She had a, a, a career marred by injury, and she has some pretty, uh, pretty rough things to say about this disease. So without further ado, my conversation with Olympian Shelley Holroyd. Well, I'm here with Shelley Holroyd, who's talking to us from Manchester, England. Shelley, you recently were part of the launch of the Athletics Pride Network. Talk to us about what that is and why it's important to you to be a part of it. Um, Oh, wow. So, um, very long story. But no, I'll I'll cut it it very short for you. Um, I also work for the governing body, so I actually do work for British Athletics. um, And one of my colleagues, Donna, um, also knows Andy Paul. And it's it's all come about because there's, there's just this huge gap in sport. Um, for, for LGBT community and there's no no real support there for, for athletes they don't know where to go um, who to contact and it was just I think it was just getting to the point now where it was becoming apparent um, Tom Bosworth had obviously come out and you know it, there was a few rumours that other athletes wanted to do the same um, but the governing body have just taken the bull by the horns um, and it's just to to help other athletes gain access, you know, like LGBT community, um, their, their families just gain access to it. So there's a massive support network there and also change um, people's perception of gay athletes because, you know, when they put that vest on, they're competing for the country. It doesn't matter whether they're gay or straight. It's, it's irrelevant. And it's just to get that message across to say, you know, the, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. We're all humans at the end of the day. So it's just, it's just basically this huge, huge community that we want to grow and just, turn it into something absolutely huge so everyone has this a place to go and that they're not restricted and they're not put in a closet when they don't want to be in a closet which is what happened to me so and it's just and it's you know what you know it's been brilliant because we've had such a good response it's just been amazing and some some people have, have been chatting to me that I had no clue whatsoever that they were gay or bi and I'm like oh my god you are joking me so the whole Think of like, oh yeah, you know, every gay person's got a gay dart. No, well, mine's broken. So, but well, you know like, what? I've, t- I've talked. To, I've talked to John Holmes about this at Sky Sports for years, and it's fascinating to me that the support structure for LGBTQ athletes in the UK seems to be years behind the United States, and 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 just kind of the conversations that have been happening in sports. 
Have you noticed that? And, and, and why is that? Why, why, why would the UK be behind the US when on other issues like same-sex marriage, you were years ahead of us? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Massively. Um, it's, it's because sports in the, in the spotlight and typical Brits, you know, they don't want their business being aired in public. And, you know, it's, it's just the way sport is unfortunately. You've got to look at Premier League footballers. Do you, do you know an out Premier League footballer? I, I certainly no. don't. So, you know, and it, it's that stigma surrounding it. You know, the Brits are very, you know, stiff upper lip and it's, it's just ridiculous. It's it just, I mean, it's 2020 for God's sake. Why are we still having to, to put these things in place when it should just be there anyway? There should always be support no matter what, what sexuality people are or what race they are. And it, you know, it, it winds me up so much that we're still having to do things like this. It should just be the norm. There shouldn't not, we shouldn't have to actually put it out there to say, we're supporting, we're supporting. People should know this anyway. They should just know this full stop. So you, but I'm hoping it's going to like steamroll all the other sports into doing the same thing as we are to say, look, you know, we've got an abundance of athletes out there that are gay, that are bisexual. I mean, we've even got trans athletes that are coming through, um, which is, you know, it, it must be so difficult for them because they get slated. Oh, you used to be a guy and now you're a woman. You've got this, you've got that. And it's like, for God's sake, they're a person. You know, you could destroy that one person with one derogatory comment and they don't seem to understand this. So you, it's, it's frustrating. Have you gotten pushback in the athletics world or the sports world about this, this new network? Um, not pushback. I mean, it's, you, you, you obviously get like the odd, the odd comment on, oh God, you know, you know here we go again. And you know, right. why, why, why do we need this? And it's like, well, clearly because of people like you. Um, do you know, and it's, it's, it, this is the frustrating part. It's like people always have an opinion, and those opinions sometimes are valid. You know, that, you know everyone's entitled to their opinion, but if, if you've got nothing nice to say, then keep it to yourself. You know, because, that, like I say, that one, that one comment could destroy that person's life. And, you know, this is where the suicide rate comes in because, you know, they could be already on the edge, and that one snide remark could just literally push them over. And I, you know, I posted on Facebook the other day, just like, just everyone just needs to be kind because that one smile that you give that one person might drag them back from that edge. You know, it's just, it's just that one kind thing to do. Be polite. If, if, if you weren't dragged up, do you know what I mean? You were brought up, not dragged up. So be, be polite to people. It, it doesn't, manners cost nothing. Manners cost nothing. And it, it just, it really, I'm sure you can, you can actually hear it in my voice. It frustrates the hell out of me when people are just rude. So please and thank you. Just, you know, hold the door open for someone. This, this, you know, it's, it's just be nice to people. And yeah. the whole world could change. Well, Tom Bosworth has, has kind of bemoaned the fact that he's the only out uh, LGBTQ male in, in, uh, in, in British track and field. And, you know, I look around the whole world and the, the number of elite level men in track and field who are publicly out. I mean, there's him, there's Karen Clement in the U.S. And that's about it. And it's funny because, you, you know, you, you talk about the macho sports in the world where it might be tough being gay and you think football and American football, um, maybe basketball. You don't think track and field, yet there's clearly still some kind of a, um, a, 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 a people don't feel comfortable coming out. When you, as you've talked to some of these people, 
and you've said that um, you were surprised by some of the people who contacted you. What have they said are the things that, that, are, that are really in their head about coming out publicly and being out? What is really stopping them? It, other people's opinions. And um, also losing sponsors as well, which is a, one of the things that, you know, I, I was I was not not out out. If you understand what I mean, it was just I was just there, you know. And if people had an opinion about me and it was derogatory, then it's their own fault. It's that's their opinion, and they can keep it to themselves. It, it just didn't make a blind bit of difference to me. But you know, when when you're publicly forced back into to a closet that you didn't want to be in in the first place because you might lose sponsors, you know, the stigma surrounding like being gay. Um, back in the 80s and early 90s it, it wasn't something that was forthcoming so you know it was I think nowadays even though things are a little bit more open I think athletes are still scared that something you know that other, like companies might not want to be associated with a gay athlete which is just utterly ridiculous and if companies are like that then they should be ashamed of themselves but there is that stigma still surrounding it and these other athletes opinions as well you know, everybody, everybody makes the old quip of like, oh, oh God, you're so gay because of the way you walk. It's like, really? You know, and I've heard the term, do you want some carrots and onions with your mints? It's like, really? Sorry, it's that's like, just, that was just, seriously? kind of funny, but I, I get that's not, yeah, it's yeah. upsetting to, to some people. Yeah, it's, you know, and it, it's comments like that that can, that can change a person's life and, and literally put themselves back in a box when they shouldn't be in that box. They should be out, they should be proud of who they are. You know, you don't have to wear a rainbow flag. You don't have to have, you know, a, a tattoo saying, oh, I'm gay, by the way. It doesn't matter because, you know, there are people out there that don't actually care. You know, and it, it's just it's just one of those things. It's, and it, it really does wind me up. It winds me up a treat when you do get athletes that you've known for years that still have this type of attitude. And it's like, you know what? I haven't got time for you. Don't even talk to me anymore. I don't care. It's just ridiculous. With the Olympics, American companies always line up to support the big American athletes. And in the, uh, the 2018 Winter Olympics, the, the athlete with the most endorsement deals was Gus Kenworthy, who was openly gay. And so in the United States, the idea that coming out or being out, you'll lose sponsors. Most people, I think, feel the complete opposite, that if you come out, there is a potential for a huge windfall of sponsorships. And there's a, now a track yeah. record to reflect that. Do you think that the, there's, that the fear of losing sponsors in the UK is, is, is I mean, fear is always irrational, right? It's, it's, a, it's an emotion. But do you think there's like real substance behind it, that there's a real potential to lose a slew of big sponsors if you come out? To be honest, nowadays, I don't think there is. But I think it's just because it's been that stigma for so long and it's, it's just been there in, in the back of people's minds. I think it's just something that people still assume will happen. Whereas, you know, I mean, I, I know there are some athletes out there that, that aren't openly gay, that are high-profile high athletes that are still not openly gay. And, you know, it, it, it just makes you wonder why they're not. And I'd be very surprised if they actually sign up to this network. And if they don't, then they should be ashamed of themselves because they've got nothing, they've got nothing to be ashamed about if they're gay. It doesn't matter. It really does not matter that they're a person at the end of the day. And there's a, there's a the kid out there that's sat in their room, you know, either, you know, self-harming or contemplating suicide because they, they feel that there's nobody out there that can understand them. And if they see somebody that's so high profile and they go, oh my God, that person's gay. Wow. And it, it could just change somebody's life. 
So just, I just want athletes just to be themselves and come out and just be proud of who they are. There's nothing wrong with it. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. I've written about LGBTQ athletes for 20 years and, and, and I've worked with uh, Tony Scuppin-Bilton in the UK, um, uh, you know, constantly looking for LGBTQ Olympians um, to add to a growing list that he had. And, and um, you know, maybe I had missed something, but a week ago was the first time that I had seen your name. And, hmm. and, but it sounds like you were very out. How, how out have you been? And, and, and when did you first uh, feel that you were kind of publicly out, that the public knew you were, you were LGBTQ? See, this is the thing. So um, I never publicly announced anything. Um, people had already made their assumptions of me and I, I just, I just rode that, rode that way. Seriously. I just, just said like, you know what, if, if people have got this assumption of me, then let's just go with it. I mean, I didn't even have to come out to my parents. They just knew. And we you know we've had conversations and I, I, I sent my partner home and, you know, honestly, it's just, it's crazy that I've never actually physically been that person that stood on that pedestal and said, hold my hand up and said, I am gay deal with it if you've got an issue it's your issue not mine um, even people at work um clearly make assumptions about me but never actually come and physically ask me or ask oh how are you doing or you know or write my partner's name on the christmas card because they don't know it because they don't ask and they don't have that that kind of interaction with me it's just it's just for me it's just a norm for me to be who i am as a person and not have to wear that t-shirt to say i'm gay so in terms of aesthetics i was never publicly out out because obviously I was pushed back into that closet which is what I was explaining to John it was, it was that closet that I was physically put in when I didn't want to be in, in it so I've grown up with the assumption that everybody knew anyway but no one spoke about it and that, so, that was so, the assumption that I've grown up with so so you kind of you, you grew up just who you were and everyone assumed yeah. that you were LGBTQ and then when you yeah. kind of rose to international prominence you you felt a pressure to kind of quiet that part of who you are yeah it's, 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 it was basically like a, a just to withdraw back back in and and just you know part, to literally lose part of who i actually was um not not feel ashamed or anything like that but it was just you know it, it was it just felt like i was pushed back about 10 steps when i'd, I'd been striding further ahead than anybody else i knew so i mean there's, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff in it like in my my past that that pushed me forward to be who I am today. You know, it's like I say, it's, it's, everyone's got trauma in their lives. Everyone's been through something, but it depends on which way you actually choose to deal with it. I, I chose the positive route to say, I'm going to make something of this. I'm going to turn it around on its head. Yeah, this has happened and I'm going to deal with it my way. And I'm going to push myself forward, which is, you know, when I found, when I first realized I was gay, I was like, wow, I like women. <laughs> it's just one of those like, realization. It was like, okay, what am I going to do with this then? And, you know, I, I got my, well, I met my first girlfriend when I was six, 15, 16, you know, and it just, it was just the norm for me. Um, my parents, they didn't care. They just, they literally came over to me, gave me a hug and we said, they said, we don't care at all. You're our daughter and that's all we're bothered about. And that was validation enough for me. That was, that was pure validation enough. It was as long as my parents were happy with, with, with me, then that, that was all I actually needed. And also my nan, God rest her soul, she's, you know, she just thought, she was, I don't care who you are, I don't care who you bring back. She says, I'm not bothered. 
and you know and, and this was she was from an era where where someone that someone who was gay was frowned upon and you had to hide and you weren't you, you weren't really allowed to actually be out so for for a, for a lady of that era and that generation it was amazing to actually hear her say things like that and it just made me so proud of who i actually was anyway so that, that was the only validation i actually needed so it's just, it's a it's a very weird very weird situation and then when this came about the apn you know and i, I jumped on it and then, you know and then i was asked to do the interview um and i I'm, I'm comfortable in my own skin i i honestly i really am it does not bother me people's opinions it, i really don't care as long as those that are close close around me you know they matter to me they really do and you know everyone's proud of me and the feedback that i've got from this when people have just said just come forward and said i had no idea and i'm like really are you kidding me it's like seriously when i was young i had bleached blonde spiky bloody hair it's like could i be even blatant than that was, i look like annie bloody lennox do you know what i mean it was just like serious and you know i used to make statements through, like through my appearance and things like that because i was proud i am proud of who i am but yeah, it's people was oh God, I had no idea. And oh my God, your story is amazing. I'm so proud of you. And that, you know, those words, so proud of you, have just been flooding through my phone. Johnny so it's, it's Weir. Amazing. Um, Johnny Weir is an Olympic figure skater, and he has been completely out, obviously gay, over the top gay his entire yeah. career. But because there, there was a time that he wouldn't say the words I'm gay because he, it was so obvious. He didn't feel like he needed to say them. Um, and he ultimately did say those words. Did you feel pressure over time to publicly say those words? No, not in the slightest. Because uh, I, I was literally just comfortable in my own skin. And my, my opinion of other people, everyone's got an opinion of somebody. But if someone had an issue with me because of who I was, it's, it wasn't my issue, it was their issue. And they needed to work on their issue because I am a, a bloody good person. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I would give you my last penny if you needed it more than I did. Uh, absolutely. Uh, everybody, uh, hang tight. We're just going to cut out for a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Okay, we're back with Shelly Holroyd. So Shelly, I know that you have been dealing over the last month with coronavirus very personally. Yes. Talk to me about what happened and, and what was that experience like? Um, well, God, so last, uh, there's a very long story to this, unfortunately. So I hope you've got about four hours. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> last year, um, I um, was in the hospital with sepsis. Um, I was incredibly ill. Um, my liver was not doing very well, and I was, you know, I, I, I actually didn't think I was going to survive. Um, I was really poorly. My face started to swell, and you know, my body started to swell, and it was just, it was a pretty horrendous time for me. Um, and I was, I was struggling with it. Like it's like everyone says, you know, you get ill. You're like, why me? What have I done? And you know, and I, and then it came, I got to like day three in this hospital, and I just said to the, the consultant, when can I go home? And he just looked at me and he went, do you realise how ill you actually are? I went, yeah. I said, but I really hate it in here and your food's disgusting. I said, I want to go home. And he just laughed his head off. And then we got him really well. And, and I've, after nine days, I, I was sent home and, you know, I recovered, but I had post-viral fatigue. So I was really, in November this last year, um, I became quite ill again, um, coughing, um, tight chest. I'm also asthmatic, which doesn't help in any way, shape or form. 
Um, so November came and I was like quite poorly coughing all the time and six weeks later I'm still coughing and my chest is really tight and I was hot sweats my body was aching I was in so much pain it was ridiculous um, Christmas got out of the way and you know everything else piled on top and then obviously this this massive outbreak and the first thing into my head was oh Christ please don't give me this seriously I've had enough to deal with as it is I don't need anything else on top so I've been really good you know self-isolating my mum's just recovering from cancer my dad's got chronic obstructive pulmonary disease so I'm like I'm like I can't even see my parents and then all of a sudden I became ill and I was like okay fair enough let's let's see what this is um I've so far lost two and a half stone because of it um my body is very very tired um, the coughing has now stopped, which is good. It stopped yesterday, so you're very lucky. Um, Thank I'm not you. Coughing my guts up, um, but yeah, I was I was seriously. This has been this is week four now, so and I'm literally just starting to feel like I'm I'm recovering, which is brilliant. Um, but the other thing that I have on top of everything else that you know, whoever is up there that just wants to throw things at me. Um, is I have chronic pain in both legs after an operation in 2009. So I'm also dealing with like pain that's sometimes 10 out of 10 and the medication doesn't work. So when my body's just overly tired because of this bloody virus, it just enhances everything else that I actually have as well. And I suffer with migraines as well. So I had a migraine last week. So it was just wrath of Shelley and anyone got in my way. I was just, no, just stay clear of me. It's just... I'm just not in a good place right now. And it, it, it hit me really hard um, to the point where sometimes I'd be just sat in bed, like trying to sit up in bed and I'd just be crying with so much pain thinking, you know, why has this virus just got me? But I understand that, you know, my immune system's quite low anyway and I knew I was at risk. So I was really careful. But it doesn't matter what you do. You know, there's that one, one idiot that will just nip out with his, his group of mates and stand outside your house and, it's just ridiculous. The lockdown's there for a bloody reason. Just, everyone just needs to stay inside and not do what they're doing because it, it's, yeah. it's debilitating. It really is debilitating and it's knocked me sideways, but it's also put another perspective on my life. And, you know, the, the things that I have to go through and that I have been through throughout my life, people are like, I don't even know how you're still here. I really don't. Because, you know, the trauma, everyone goes through trauma, like I said, but it just depends how you deal with it. So this, this virus is like, you know, I'm not going to let you beat me. I think I'm a cat in the past lives because I've, I've had that many bloody well, lives. And, and I, I was going to ask, I, I know that you have uh, suffered a lot of injuries throughout your career. I know that your career was stalled various yeah. times because of injury. And, and you, you know pain. Give me yes. an idea of the pain of this coronavirus in your body over the last month vis-a-vis other things you've experienced i mean was this was this a full body pain head to toe or or yeah yeah full body pain eyes hurting and everything was just physically debilitating it was just sometimes i couldn't even move i stayed in bed for three days i mean my bedroom i have an ensuite bathroom which is absolutely fabulous because if i didn't then i would have been buying a new bed so it was just i couldn't physically move it was it was horrendous and the pain compared to what i've experienced um, I mean, even the sepsis, I wasn't actually in pain with the sepsis. It was just there. I had a rash that was just completely irrelevant. It was just there. But this, this virus, you know, it, unless you experience it, you don't know the full impact of what it can actually cause. 
and you know I at one stage I, I was covered in in sweat from head to toe my head was pouring with sweat my feet were sweating everywhere was just sweating but I was so cold at one stage and I was really hot and I was cold and I was hot so bed covers on bed covers off bed covers on bed covers off and to even try and move the bed covers was just so hard and when you've been you know you've been the athlete you know and you've been at the olympics and you've you've fought to get that place and you've worked so hard and then all of a sudden you're laying in bed and you can't even move your arms it's it's just soul destroying it really is absolutely soul destroying and the other thing that was that was really driving me insane is, is obviously my mum's just recovering from cancer and I couldn't even see them couldn't even go and see her because of it and obviously my dad as well but you know so it's been FaceTime has been a, a lifesaver really has without that and phone calls and stuff I think that probably would have destroyed me a little bit more so a lot of people are pushing back right now about stay at home orders you know oh, maybe maybe this virus isn't that big of a deal but i keep reading stories of people who have had it and uh, i'll tell you a i don't want to die which i guess you know no. for me is a small percent chance but b there's a bigger chance of a month of absolute um like you called it soul crushing pain and yeah. that is something I really don't want myself or my family or my friends to have to experience. No. Well, you, if you have it, your friends and family can't even be there for you anyway. So you are literally in a room on your own, not being able to do anything. You can't even, you know, it's not as if you can even look after yourself. I mean, the only, the only positive that I can take out of it is I can get in my jeans again because I've lost two and a half stone. And that's, that's me being positive. You know, it's the silver lining of it. You know, I'm coming through it now, but there's some people out there that are not actually coming through it and they are dying and, you know, and they're dying alone. And this is, this is, this is the biggest thing for me that people don't understand that to die alone like that, when you usually have your family around you is, is just, oh my God, I can't even comprehend it. It, it, I mean, it's soul destroying for me to actually sit in my bedroom for all this time and, and have to go through it and coughing because I've got asthma as well. But I'm coughing and coughing and coughing, thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to have an asthma attack and no one's going to be here. Someone's going to find me dead in the bed. You know, they're going to be wondering where I am. You know, I don't mm. want my parents to find me dead in bed. And it's just all these things are just running through my head. And it's just oh. like oh my god you know my parents what would you know I'm, what would they do and you know they'd have to put up with a funeral and then i was and on the flip side of it it's like well you know they'll have my life insurance and i've got a will so i've told them you know if i do die before them they've got to do x y and z with it and have fun and and that was the only saving grace for me that you know if i did pass away and, and it was my parents that found me then you know i know that they would actually be comfortable with you know they, they would have they wouldn't have any money worries sure. and do you know, and that was that was the only thing that kept me going. That I knew that if anything did happen to me, then, then my parents would be looked after. So, and it was and that was the only positive thing I could take from it. But other than that, it is literally soul destroying to have something like this. It is not a nice thing, and people just need to wake up and not even smell the coffee. Have it ground and shoved up the nose just to say like wake up people and realize that this is serious it is not a joke it really isn't it's just not a joke i know you've been working uh coaching paralympians when you heard that the the olympic games and paralympic games were postponed were you disappointed or relieved i was relieved but also disappointed because i know what it takes to actually get to that that the pinnacle of of everyone's career i know what it takes to get there 
So I was disappointed for the athletes, but relieved for them as well, because a lot of them have underlying health issues. So I just couldn't imagine the athletes would want to go anyway. I mean, I know there's a lot of them that say, oh, yes, I'd, you know, I'd still go. And it's like, do you know what? If, if a member of your family actually was taken down by this, I can guarantee you wouldn't want to go because you wouldn't want to go through it at all. So I can, I can completely understand why they've cancelled it. And I was, I was sat there thinking they need to make a decision because the athletes are going stir crazy. They can't train at home for this. They can't, you know, they can't do X, Y, and Z. They can't, you know, there's no nutrition there for them because the food shortages as well. You know, there was a lot of outstanding factors that would have affected them. But they, obviously, they were just thinking, yeah, but it's the Paralympics, it's the Olympics. And it's like, yeah, but it's also your life. And that's far more important than any sport. It really is. It's far more important than anything. But people I, were, I, I completely get it. People yeah. were focused on the Olympics, but, but through, you know, early March, we started seeing some of the qualifiers be canceled. And I was like, well, if you yeah. don't have the qualifiers, how do you qualify? <laughs> so well, the, exactly. the, the, Olymp the Olympics are not just one event every four years. They are a string of events. And as you said, training and nutrition and all these things that was completely disrupted. Yeah. I mean, gyms, gyms were shut. You couldn't even go to the gym. You know, some athletes were lucky that they had home gyms, but other athletes are not so lucky. You know, we've got um, wheelchair racers that have rollers at home, so at least they can stay in. They don't have to go out. They can stay in and, and push. But then you've, on the flip side, you've got throwers that can't go out and throw. You know, and it's, it's just like it swings and roundabouts. Some athletes can do X, Y, and Z. Other athletes can do A, B, and C. Other athletes yeah. can sit there and do bloody nothing. And, well, like know, gunning is hard. Uh, Michael Gunning, uh, uh, I talked to a couple of weeks ago. He he's a swimmer. He's like, I can't go to the, I can't go to the pool. <laughs> I can't no. swim. No, and you can't you can't swim in a bloody bath. So no. you, know, you know it's it's just ridiculous. And it's yeah. you know everyone's oh yeah but yeah you can go to the gym. And it's like do you actually know what it takes to be an athlete? And you know that that was a question I asked I asked one of my friends. I said do you actually do you understand what I went through to actually be the athlete that I was? And and like, well I know you went training. It's like, oh my God, seriously? You don't, you have no idea. I was getting up at like half five in the morning, going to the gym. I was still working at the time as well. Um, so I was going to the gym, going to work, coming back, eating, going, going to the track, coming back. And it was just eat, sleep, repeat. And that was all I ever did. And I was very, very regimented with it though, which you have to be, to be an athlete. You have to be regimented with you with everything that you do, your timetable, making sure everything's set right, your meals are right, you know, your protein, carbs, everything is just all in place. And, you know, and now these guys can't even, you can't even buy bloody pasta. Yeah, there's, right. there's just nothing on the shelves, you know, and, and for an athlete to go from being, you know, being able to pick up what they want, eat what they need, get all the meat products that they need, get all the protein, everything that they, to, to be the athlete, to keep the muscles going, to all of a sudden be more like in a war zone where you, you're rationed on everything and there's nothing available to you and, and it starts affecting your body, it affects your mindset, your mental health. You know, and, and the mental health thing is the biggest thing for me because I know some of my friends do struggle with their mental health and you know, they're going insane being inside the house. And it's yeah. like, you just go out for a walk. I don't want to get it. I don't want to get it. Like, you know, I'm not saying you're going to get it, but you do need to get out of the house. Even if you just sit in your garden, and just stay away from people just right. get out of the house because your mental health is huge it's a, it takes a while to come back from that it really does Men mental health these days is just 
it, it's just astronomical and i don't think people realize the impact that this virus yeah it, it's gonna knacker your body and i mean it knackered me completely but i mean i've got a playstation in my bedroom so well, I <laughs> blow everything up if i want to or play <laughs> fifa and let, let you know, out your go frustration to town on it. yeah let out your frustration it's just my bloody fingers that I have to move on that. So it's just like, yeah, I'll just blow crap up on TV and just, you know, have some kind of release on there. But other people don't have that. They don't have that kind of mindset. It's just, yeah. just like doom and gloom. You see the news. Oh my God, all these people have died. And, but they're not showing all, how many people have actually survived. And I think if they actually, if the media around the world actually showed how many people are actually surviving in comparison to how many people are dying. I think people might take comfort from it rather than the doom and gloom side. Let's be positive. Let's show, yeah. you know, how many people have literally survived this virus and push yeah, that just as much. But like but I said, don't. it's still, it's still, it's still the chance that you're going to be one of the few who, who dies or who goes into uh, intensive care. So, yeah. you know, I, I, there's, there's, there's a lot of danger and, and, um, but you know, I'm so glad to hear that you're, you're on your way to recovery. Um, yeah. and so appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with me. I end every podcast with the same two questions that I'm going to lay on you Let, yes. and end on a, end on a, on a lighter, a more positive note. <laughs> um, first of all, give me the name of an Olympian who's inspired you. Um, I do. <sighs> God, I have a few, but I think because I was I wanted to be a javelin thrower from a very young age, it was Tessa, Tessa Sanderson. So, you know, it's not not even Fatima. Fatima used to be my coach. So, but yeah, Tessa was the the, the big impact for me. Massive impact. So, because she wasn't the, the norm of an athlete, if you understand what I mean. She's, you know, there wasn't the, the massive muscles and the misconception that all throwers are either gay built like brick outhouses and everything else it was just it's, yeah, it doesn't work that way but yeah so, Tessa was probably the one yeah yeah and she was a she was a javelin thrower and uh yeah. won one olympic gold in 84 in los yeah. angeles and uh, yep. obviously gold. i, I didn't i didn't pick it on purpose i didn't pick that on purpose just to please you know it's just like so the, uh, the other one is that if um if you're a fan you know the name of the podcast is taken from a line from lord of the rings uh yes. are you a lord of the rings fan and, and if so give me a give me a character or a moment from lord of the rings that that you you really love so okay this is um probably going to be um, it relates, it does relate to my aesthetics. Um, the, the interview that I did with John, when it, you know, you, you get pushed back into that closet. Um, but the it's Frodo, and you know, when he puts the ring on and he disappears. You, you which know, time? And the first time he actually does it and he, he realizes he's invisible. Yep. That, that it resonates with me because that's how I actually felt when I was younger. I felt invisible. So that's when, when I first saw that scene, I was like, you know what? That, that was me literally me when i was younger so i could be pushed pushed back in and you know oh you could lose sponsors and that's that's how i actually felt throughout my career in athletics that i had that ring on and i was invisible and untouchable wow that you know uh usually people pick somebody they thought were cute or funny but that that i think you just took the cake for the for the deepest selection <laughs> i i uh, appreciate that lord of the rings i i take a lot from from um, from this story too, and um, so it's, it's it's just neat to hear that it had a had a had an emotional effect on you as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure other people like thought the same. Like, you know, when when you do feel invisible, and you know, people just just look past you or look through you, and 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 that's just exactly how I felt throughout my whole like career. It's just, like when people don't want to get in the lift with you because you know you're gay. It's like great, I'll just go, I, I don't have to don't have to stop at your stop. Then do I? I can go straight to my floor. It's like you know. But it, it, it is, you know, things like that is it, it's quite soul destroying at times. And and when I look back over the career that I've had, you know, it has been tainted with a lot of tragedy and a lot of trauma and everything else that I've had to go through. But you know, and it's the reason why I am the way I am today. It's like just positive all the time because if if you don't, then you're just going to ruin it for yourself. You just everyone just needs to stay positive, especially yeah. in this climate with this bloody virus. Positive energy is super important, particularly right now, no doubt. Oh god, yeah, it's massive. You know, and, and even though I've been ill and friends have been FaceTiming me and you know, and, and the, you know, I I do try and be chirpy and if someone does FaceTime, I'm like, give me five minutes, I need to do my hair. Because you're not looking at me as a state. You know, and I just need to just like just do my hair and make sure it's tied back, and you know, because I never wear my hair down, never wear my hair down. So I always wear. It. I have long hair. Yeah, I'm gay, and I've got long hair. <laughs> so, well, there's not, LA, there are plenty of you. Yeah. All right. Well, 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 Shelley, again, thank you so much for joining us, and do take care of yourself. Yeah, you too. It's been brilliant. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks very much for, for thinking of me. It's been great. Talking to Shelley is a reminder of how important it is to take COVID-19 and coronavirus seriously. A lot of people are looking at maybe a lower death rate than a lot of than a lot of Americans were told we were going to have. I'll, I know I don't want to experience the pain that Shelley described. I don't want my parents to experience it. I don't want my friends to experience it. That sounds like just absolute uh, horror. Uh, anyhow, we're glad Shelly is feeling better, obviously. You can follow Shelly on Twitter at Shell Holroyd, O-L-Y. And on Instagram, it's Holroyd Shelly, that's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. Posts a lot of pictures of her dog, which is pretty cute. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. Be sure to check out other Outsports podcasts. There's a lot of really great, fun, entertaining, informative conversations going on on our podcasts. And we'll be back next week with more from the LGBTQ Olympic scene. We'll talk to you then.